When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking GoWild rewards as you share content because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, another Land Legacy podcast here. We are the owners of, co- of Land Legacy, co-owners, and yeah. uh, as a natural resource habitat consulting firm assisting landowners uh, across the country, a big part of what we're doing is, and how we assist landowners, is by laying out, among a lot of things, really prioritizing the management practices that landowners use on their property to make the biggest impact with the least amount of money spent in the quick with the quickest turnaround possible. The best return on your investment. And that's what we're going to cover in this week's podcast. One of this week's podcasts. The other one, if you want to hear about our hunting strategies and everything, go check it out. And we're going to cover 11 of the top things that you hear talked about, and especially some of these that you hear us talk about each and every week right here on the Land Legs podcast. Yeah, and I want to I stress that time is often one of the biggest limited resources for people. And so the priority level becomes that much more important when, when time is limited. And, and so that's why we're doing this topic. But then also... We're talking habitat management techniques. There's a lot of other podcasts we've done that cover like the things that can distract you as a landowner and get away from the true value of actually improving that property and not just playing and fiddling and putting some trail cameras out and stuff like that. We all like to do that. That's all fun. It's all part of it. But these types of recommendations that we're going to go through are the thing, this is the backbone of actually making and seeing progress and change on a property. You always buy a property because you think it has potential, right? Yeah. But how do you, how do you actually see and how do you actually improve the property to expose that potential? Holding it and owning it for five years doesn't get you necessarily closer to the potential of the property. You have to actually change things to expose that potential. And so that's what we're doing. And basically going over this farm aerial with you guys and saying, here's the breakdown of all the recommendations we would make. And then if you asked us, which is all part of a, a full plan that we create for people, but we would give you when we would do these practices as well in this order or in this prevalence because they're going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. That's right. That's so right. What, 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 what property are we looking at this week? Yeah. So we're actually looking at a, 
uh, a big portion of the farm that Chad and I bought back in February, right next to our family farm. Um, and I think one thing that for for everyone listening, if you go to our social media pages, Instagram or Facebook, you can see this uh, this aerial image to get a better understanding of what's going on in this yep. neighborhood, um, especially right here on this property. You'll see lots and lots of trees. You'll see <laughs> very dense. You know, sometimes when you look at properties and you look at aerial images, you can see like a, a diversified forest. You can see, you know, maybe evergreen patches mixed in. You may see, oh, uh, a change in what looks like uh, growth rate. You may see like patches where you're like, that looks, that looks like there's big trees mixed with young trees. And I, I don't know if you've noticed or if you pulled it up, Matt, yet, but on Onyx, when you look at this property, the property called Whistling Woodlands, it is a big part of the ridge tops. Almost just looks like, like you could get on top and just walk right across the treetops. Like they're the exact same height, which yep. is exactly the way it is. They're all about the same age, because the same age, densely, densely stacked, and all roughly same condition on the actual ridge tops and species. So it's like black oaks, red oaks, white oaks, blackjacks. And they're all, I mean, it's its pretty oak, hickory-dominated, mainly oak, yeah. but they're all the same shape, same size, um, same health. Same mid-story. Yeah. What mid-story? Um, <laughs> what and, what and, is there is, yeah. is the exact same mid-story. It got That's hammered with the logging operation years ago and no management done whatsoever. No, Not really any fire to thin it out. Just stump sprouts turned into 10-foot-tall trees, turned into what you see today, 40, 50-foot-tall trees that are very, very tightly packed um, and are very unhealthy. And so, and so I was just going to say to to back out a little bit farther for people who may not be familiar, this is southwestern Missouri. Quite a bit of topography change on this property, but uh-huh. this is middle of America. Right. So so people think Missouri, big bucks. This is kind of different portions of Missouri that many people watching outdoor television may be familiar with. But um, they happen here. They can occur here. And what we're going to talk about is going to make them do that more frequently. But but on average, we're talking um, about a thousand foot down in the valley elevation all the way up to 1320 on the very ridge top. So, so, yeah, pretty, pretty decent slopes, a lot of, lot of topography features, saddles, um, ridges, benches, um, pretty wide bottoms on, on this portion of the property too. Um, yeah. not very just narrow, steep, um, stuff like you'll get other places in the country, but that's a general quick breakdown. Uh, but, but the portion that you're looking at this week is 313 acres, right? Yeah. Give or take. 313 something like that we're trying to give you guys a good example of the heart of the property and what that looks like um being a majority of timber right so 323 i i was off on a little bit of a line because there's a slight variance in in the onyx uh property boundary boundary versus the survey that i had done just a few months ago Mm -hmm. um so it's about 320 acres now when i did that little switch 
So I'm not going to lose the acres that easy. <laughs> so, so roughly 320 acres that probably puts about 250, 260 acres of, of timber. Yeah. Of all we added was timber. Before. So right. 320 acres total and, uh, it's about 200 and, uh, 258 to 257 acres of timber. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I don't know what, what's that percentage end up being, but, um, I'm going to do the math here right quick. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it's a majority. What, what about food plots? They're important, <laughs> remember. Food plots are important. That's what they tell us. Um, there is currently, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys an example here. There is currently food plots, in, by definition of what the hunting industry would tell you, is acres devoted strictly to, to, to wildlife that are planted each and every year. Four and a half acres. Four and a half acres. Okay, now, so there 80%. are some other acres that are pasture that are excluded, and we we still graze them, and, and we will graze them in the future. But they're, they're going to be, you know, planted in a very, just like a lot of the food plot blends. But they will be grazed at some point during the summer with a flash grazing where the cows are there for a day or two and then gone. So, so, so we're four and a half acres percentages here 80 percent of this 320 is timber 1.5 percent is food plots and 18 percent plus or minus a little bit is pasture yeah that's so that's dynamite land of big bucks right there that is the equation x plus x plus x equals giants that's what you want but, but right. the cool thing about this is this isn't going to be the only property that we do like this. And and so um, based on the actual features, not, not just the fact that it's a recreational property, we can't just lump it into that. We actually are looking at what, what comprises the 320 acres. What are the condition of that? Um, what are the goals specifically that revolve around this property to create the the order of operations or the procedure, the priority list, that's what impacts um, yeah. th- this, this list. It's not just like, Oh, well, I want to hunt this place. So I need to do food plots. Well, we can see that only an acre and a half of, of food plots on it currently, maybe, maybe a recommendation. Four and a half. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was looking at percent. Yeah. Yeah. Four and a half acres um, of food plots. Maybe the recommendation is to, Add some more on the 320, but but we need to keep in balance of all the other aspects of of the property management. So before we dive into it, Adam, what what needs to be clear for everyone listening is what are the goals yep. of the property. Yeah, so that's, that's the basis that, that all of this comes off of. Yep. Um, the big thing that kind of our big three that we always talk about uh, is improve wildlife habitat and populations. So. You know, t- turkey numbers have been good. They they were down a few years ago. They're starting to pick back up. We've identified some very limited resources for turkeys, especially during the uh, brood rearing stage of life, um, and and also late you know uh, late in the winter in different parts of the farm. I mean, you don't want to have one part of your farm just strictly be like that's where they're at during the winter and they can't really find anything they need in the other parts so we're trying to 
really expand and make each and every acre more productive. So improving wildlife habitat and populations. Um, bobwhite quail really comes to mind for us, but it's a timbered property. So there are a few things that we have to be realistic on, but we do, we have heard quail on this property and we have heard them on, on the neighboring property. So we'd still like to do some major stuff for the bobwhite quail. Um, replicate nature and create diverse landscapes. Um, so just restoring a lot more of the native landscape features. So restoring glades, restoring savannas, restoring woodlands, uh, restoring riparian area along the creek, um, even backslope floodplain forest would be, uh, you know, whatever it may be, whatever that site is, we want to try to maximize it and restore it and make it more productive for all wildlife. So, um, we are trying to do river cane plantings. We're trying to plant other trees along the, along the Creek. Um, we're trying to do, uh, uh, restore these glades, different things like that. And then lastly, uh, cash in, uh, income production. So, Ultimately, our opinion has been that you can't buy more land if your current land isn't making you money. So our whole concept with this property purchase was to start making money on it. Not only just pay for it, but start making money. Um, so each and every year, we're going to hopefully, Lord willing, make enough money to make the farm payment and then make additional uh, income um, on top of that. So uh, that's that's our big three and so every decision we make, every management decision we make comes into that of going, does this affect our three goals? And, uh, you know, I, I think as I list out our priorities of the of the top 10 or top 11 management, you'll, you'll quickly see how high income production ranks on our uh, on on our uh, goals to be met. Certainly. Well, so, and, and, and again, hopefully that paints the picture for everyone of what specifically it is you're, you're looking to accomplish, again, because there is a direct correlation to what it is we're about to go into, yeah. and that's the 11 different techniques that would be outlined and utilized on this property. I want to – I'll say something, too, yeah, that within that – a lot of the, co the common goals are I want bigger deer and I want to hold them on the property. And that is a great, uh, a, a great goal to have. But I didn't even mention that in my three. Now, now keep in mind, I will get those three. I will get those goals, but not even focused on them. I'll, right. I'll, I'll meet those goals. Easy. That, that's not a problem. I, we've already kind of done that um, with with a pass buck by the name of Donuts, 193-inch buck who lived on this farm before we owned it. But when we were releasing it, he was there, and we were already doing some management. Like, it's it, we can grow big deer on this place, but we're not gonna we're not gonna even focus on that. We're focusing on the other three, knowing that bigger deer and deer on there during daylight is going to come with the work that we're going to do to try to meet our three goals that I stated prior. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's just that, that of holding them is, 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 uh, it's built into those goals already. Yeah. It's just going to happen. It's going to be a product of the rest of those. It just doesn't have to be as specific as some other people may, may point out and, um, wish to do. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to do things that I have not seen done on other farms. 
And so yeah. I'm doing things to to make this farm unlike anything that we've personally seen um, right out of the gate. Now we're helping people do this and replicate what we're doing on this farm, but we're doing things differently because we don't want what everybody else has on their own farm. We want to create something that's even beyond our wildest dreams. So we yeah, have to do things absolutely. totally different. Um, now, uh, I, I stated my three goals. We'll reiterate that 80% of this farm is timber. 18% is pasture, or I, I guess it's like 18 and a half because then another acre and a half, yes. uh, one, perf- one and a half percent is in food plots. So once again, it's another farm that's less than 5% in food plot acres. So I want I everybody, as we're listening, listing out our priorities here, um, to, to think about that ratio. And we'll probably say it over and over and over till we're blue in the face that this is a timber farm ultimately with 18 and a half percent in pasture. Okay, so uh, let's list back, Matt. Or do you want to go one through ten, or or one through eleven, or eleven through one? Let, I, th- I think eleven through one. one. Through, uh, well, I'm thinking one through eleven because we want to we want to. That's okay. the starting point. Number one, right. number one thing point. that we're focusing on right out of the gate has been pasture management, and I know. I know. Pump the brakes. Adam, Don't not... send me the email. That's only 18.5% of the property. But, but what? But when you list out percentages on income produced, cattle are going to make more money right out of the gate for us than anything else. Unless I was to, if I just turned around and sold hunts, I could probably make as much. But that's not what we're doing right out of the gate. So cattle and and specifically pasture management so try to make the pastures more productive try to make the pastures more wildlife friendly incorporating diversity within those pastures overseeding legumes um, clovers and different things alfalfa um, within our pastures to to create that diversity increase days to forage or days to graze on each and every one of those acres so that's where we started when we purchased this property. We bought cows in the summer. We're trying to prep and get things ready to where we can have more acres for the wildlife or for, yeah. for cattle. Sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear that in the background or not, but it sounds like my daughter's not in a great place and I can hear it through the intercom. <laughs> no, I can't hear it. But yeah, I mean, pasture, you got to start there based on the goals that, that you've got going on. Um, and so that, that's super important. And, and you pointed, made a good point with the percentage, but, but what you didn't discuss was the percentage or the weight that those goals have. And so finding that balance between, even though pastures, 18% of this portion of the property, um, it may be heavier in the goals, right? And and, um, and keep in mind, we have the family farm and another lease just South of this to have more ground and in pasture absolutely yes yeah so um makes sense that pasture and diversifying them and making them more productive but also wildlife friendly in that process is number one yeah. um because it's, it's got to make money you got to hold the farm for for a lot longer yeah. as um, chad and i have said a lot that the quicker we can make money on this farm the quicker we can buy more ground sure right i mean that that only makes sense yeah. um 
to, to do to continue on the future. So yep. what about um, that? That's number one. What what about number two? What is number two for uh, the priority? Yeah. Biggest thing for the buck. And are we talking about the 18 and a half percent pasture? Now we're shifting into the other uh, do, 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 the other 20 or the other 80 percent of the farm, ultimately, um, yep. or 81.5 percent of the farm. Uh, out of the 18%, now we're going into the 18.5%. We're going into 80% and the 1.5%. So rest of the farm is ultimately timber or food plot. Um, right. Obvious, for obvious reasons, I mean, that's a drastic difference between 80% to 1.5%. So I want to clarify, though, how many times do we see or, I mean, this is like the go-to. You buy a farm, you put in food plots. And, and I mean, that's, that's, that's fun. I mean, that's, that's cool to put something in the ground and see it green a few months later. It's really cool, but man, the ratios are way off. You don't see successful business owners jump in and go, okay, you know, we're selling. I mean, you, you don't see a roofing company buy a, buy a, a a roofing or a, a person buy a roofing business and start marketing to, um, the glampers who have, TPs or canvas tents that don't even have gutters like that this is like we're talking you focus on the majority of your business you focus on the people with houses that have gutters you 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 focus or a roofing company that have that you're redoing roofs like for us we're not jumping into a timber property and going let's focus on food plots or let's, let's, let's focus first, on let's prairies first, yeah let's first create we have to create an opening then to just be able to manage a food plot like that's not that's not the purpose. It can be part of it, but it doesn't have to be right out of the gate. That's what you devote your time, energy, and resources to. Yeah. It just doesn't that doesn't make sense. And I think one of the big hiccups for people when you when they hear, okay, I need to focus big time on my timber, is the lack of understanding that timber management doesn't mean just TSI. We cut a few trees per acre. You know, you, you increase the amount of sunlight. There is a large and varying degree of intensity of timber management. And when yeah. you do them at different scales on different slopes and get really down to the nitty gritty, you can drastically change a farm. Yeah. And so number two on, on this priority is kind of really falls into play of of diversifying the farm and improving wildlife habitat and populations by adding something that's not there. So number two on our list is young forest creation, temporary forest openings, or as you guys hear us talk about it so much, bedding thickets. So we're yeah. going to go in and identify pockets to create this temporary forest openings where we're going to cut 80% or more of the trees that are in these areas and let it start to regen back. To start growing back and create not only nesting areas, but mainly areas for year-round bedding, depending on slope, depending on site, but also more forage available um, through, a lot of cases, woody browse and herbaceous plants. So a lot more forage to be produced. Currently, you know, when you look at 80% of the farm, uh, there's one part that had been logged on this particular region that might equate to 20 acres 
the rest of it's closed canopy forest. So it takes a lot of those acres to feed many deer at all. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And, and, and the other thing is when you do the bedding thickets or in your guys' case, there's a logging operation and some value there, you can generate some revenue as well from the harvesting of those trees um, and, and creating, improving habitat as well. Yeah. So you guys are going yeah. down that route and serving that goal too, which makes it that much higher of a priority. But even if you weren't going to make a dime out of it, it still would be yeah. on this property at number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're moving two. down the list. Number, but, I mean, it, it should come to no surprise that number three is the umbrella word or words, timber management. Yes. Um, so, you know, for us, income, like I said, it, it's in the top three. So we're doing this and kind of, you touched on it just now, but we're kind of doing this in an income production standpoint and philosophy. We have a logger in there. So we closed in, in February and we got a logger in there in July. So that was just as quickly as we could get them there. But we're using a logger to do these temporary forest openings, which is ultimately micro clear cuts in this case. And so in certain areas, they're going in and cutting out an acre or half an acre, and they're pretty well cutting everything. Um, you know, the, the first one they did, they cut a little over an acre, and there's probably four trees out in the middle of it that got left. Um, and those were just big kind of seed trees. Um, and so that's income being produced and also improving habitat. And then the other thing, improving the timber, timber management side is kind of two-phase. We know it's closed canopy, so we're, we're, we're harvesting timber to make money, but we're also opening up that canopy through the process, so we're improving habitat. And then the next phase will be timber stand improvement or forest stand improvement, uh, depending on the site. And so we're going to then, as they're cutting the crop trees or a, a decent amount of crop trees, we're going to then go back in and cut the weed trees, thin them out to try to release the next generation of crop trees or release some of the other crop trees that were a little bit too small to make the first harvest. So it's, right. it's multifold, but if you want to talk about making a huge impact to where you can start bringing in and, and holding more deer, improving wild turkey populations, and even possibly expanding the reach of some of the quail, depending on our, our savanna restoration in certain spots, that's how we're going to do it. We're doing it through managing the timber. Um, and so t bedding thickets, number two and timber management, number three. And frankly, if I just stopped there, I would have the best farm in the neighborhood mm -hmm. bar, mm -hmm. bar none. I mean, just huge, yeah, but that's because, because you're addressing, guess what? You're addressing 80% of what you own. That's right. Most people that's are addressing the one and a half percent that they own. Yes. Yeah. Priority is important. Yeah. So that's a big statement, but a, a factual, a truthful statement. So then someone's going to say, okay, well, if that's all you're going to do and you're going to make that big of an impact, why, why continue? Well, because things need to be maintained and things can then still be improved down the road. So what are some of the other features that yeah. we're talking about or, so, or things we would do? You know, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. So if you go, if you start cutting timber, things start growing you know that other things keep growing and uh and can get out of reach so number four on our list is fire 
and that's a huge one. I mean, that combination, fire, cutting, cutting timber, and burning is just like one of the best things we can do in this part of the world and many parts of, of the country when it comes to managing wildlife and replicating nature's natural disturbances. So it, It's like peanut butter and chocolate. Mm-hmm. They just go together. That's you right. don't want one without the other. Peanut butter and jelly, baby. Man. Yeah. We go on and on here. So it's, yeah, I mean, shake and bake. <laughs> Ham and egg it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it, you. if you're going to put your foot in one of them, just just bring that other leg right there and, 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 and even, and do both. Like, yeah, that's right. You're cutting yourself short if you don't use timber management and fire. So a fire to maintain kind of the regeneration or the succession of, of the plants after the timber harvest, it really is like, that. that's kind of what we tell people when we're recommending uh, or when we're laying out work on their property is going, okay, especially if there's been a timber harvest. Ultimately, they're cutting crops and you cut the weeds, and then we burn occasionally to set it back. And then as things make it through the fire, when we have species that are adapted to fire continue to grow, we need to identify the next group of crop and try to release them and enhance them, and we need to identify the next group of weeds and remove them. And some of those weeds could be as simple as we're just going to cut it and let it start growing back, and it may be a crop tree the next time. Now, that sounds like it, it, it happens in five years, but really that's going to happen maybe a couple of times in each one of our lifetimes, and then it's on to right. somebody else. So it's not like this huge workload, like especially with fire. That's a really good way to manage a lot of acres um, at a time, in an afternoon or in a full day. So fire is being four, um, which is just, you know, after that, <laughs> we're really getting somewhere. But after yep. fire, we move on to number five, which I have as food plots. Um, yep. Because and, I, and think I think this, that's, this plays just as much into the um, hunting strategy, fire break in, in creation, as well as defining some more travel patterns in the uh, recreational, uh, on the hunting standpoint. Yeah, I mean, this is, um, gosh, th- th- this is not naturally where most people would place the importance of, of food plots, but what good is a food plot if you don't have the cover to support deer bedding close by? And so you've created that in the other ways, um, but, you know, through numbers two, three, four, and you maintained it. Now That's we've right. got, now we've got the supplemental aspect of attracting areas or attracting wildlife to these certain areas with specific forages that um that complement what naturally is already being produced so it it naturally fits in there logically um but then also from a percentage standpoint too we know that we can per acre we can we can have way more forage tonnage wise and food plot acres but still just because that doesn't mean that that is the most important thing to do when managing for wildlife and increasing populations. That's right. So food plots number five. We're going to add more food plots in the future, probably near future. We're going to make more acres in it. 
but we're not going to we're not going to be able to even move it to over 5%. Like it's still right. limited. We're just taking some of our flatter ridge tops that were crummy timber that we're trying to maximize more for all wildlife, especially turkeys and deer, and say, you know, we really need something back there. I don't care if it is a food plot that's mostly weedy. We need some yeah. sort of opening back there. So, right, right. Um, number six on our list of priorities goes to, oh my goodness, I'm missing it right now. Um, invasive oh, invasive species. species down at the bottom. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's so many times you see a timber harvest happen, you don't see fire used, you see invasives take advantage of that new sunlight, yep. and in 10 years you're like, what happened? And so the idea of putting invasives at number six means that through timber harvesting, bedding thicket creation, food plots, and TSI, that's d- certainly giving the sunlight for invasives to grow now the fire is going to help thin back a lot of that, hopefully. You know, when it comes right. to multiflora rose, bush honeysuckle, autumn olive, um, the the fire is really going to help set some of that back um, and eventually get rid of it. But yeah. if it doesn't, invasive species is a must because you can't just you don't go buy a new truck and then never wash it or never try to remove the rust from it or get the salt Thank off you. of it. Or change it. like you got to get the the rust off of it or prevent it from rusting an invasive species is rust on a property so um and so it's it's high on our list because if you're not doing it it it's it's gaining on you so yeah that's a, that's 100 percent right like it has to be on the front of your mind or or place on an importance level if not then you continue to drive by the the roadside that's got cerisa on it or stilt grass and just not even fool with it because it's not in the front of your mind but when it's not being addressed it will quickly derail all your other priorities if you just abandon it for a couple years yeah so keep it front of mind keep it high on a priority to manage and reduce it uh, or try and eradicate it and you you won't ever have to step away from managing pastures and the timber and the bedding which are very high because you neglected something that should have just been maintained that's right number seven um i mean we we talk about this one so much um edge edge feathering um the reason it's number seven is because you can see you know even on this map if you look currently set up there's only three food plots on in the in the heart of the timber so if we did the best edge feathering on all of those, we still aren't making a huge impact. And that's why right. it's so low. Now, we could edge feather all the pastures, but we're not really trying to send a lot of our deer down to the pastures because it it ultimately is kind of hard to hunt them when they're out in a 16-acre bottom field. So we're trying mm-hmm. to really enhance our the other part of our property and improve it. And we're getting a lot further with timber management, bedding thickets, fire than we are by doing edge feathering first. So it's 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 needed, but it's not as needed as timber management, fire, or bedding thicket creation. Well, well, and think, think of how much better that transitional area is going to be of an edge development once when you already did your timber management. Yeah. And how much easier it is to implement good edge feathering when you've done timber management as a priority. And we've already done some just for video content sake, but we're really going to vamp it up in the future. Um, Number eight 
on our list is water. Um, there is some water on this place and in various places and there's a lot of seeps and stuff down in the valleys and, but you know, when I think of water, a lot of guys think of like just little water holes. They think of the plastic stock tanks or little pools. Um, but ultimately when we're talking water, you're going to see us using skid steers, dozers to create these little, I don't know, 20 by 20 holes that are just all natural, just using clay and wet spots in the food plot and creating these little spots to just give them something else. But even if we put one in every food plot, every intersection of the road, and they were full to the brim year-round, it doesn't make a huge impact. It certainly doesn't make inches bigger, healthier deer, uh, more turkeys, more quail. It doesn't do that. It's just it's it's there, and... And it's, it's, a it's needed, but it's not like it's it, they're going to get it somewhere. We're just trying to make sure that they have it offered on our property and they don't have to go to the neighbors to get it. It's it's definitely a convenience factor Yeah, that, that you can make it more readily accessible in the areas that you want deer to be congregated at. That's, yeah. a, that's all it's essentially doing. Yeah. And but I will still, say something still... too. Invasive species, as I look at the list, would be higher if we had a lot more invasive species. Yes. Yeah. So like when in, we do this on property. other properties, if the invasives are terrible, you're going to hear invasives ranking higher on the list. Yep. Um, and, and, and honestly, a lot of other things would be very much restructured as oh, they'll totally. see in the coming podcast. Yeah. So, so after water, what you got? Number nine goes to native planting. There are some places where native planting may be three, but on it's number nine on ours because First off, we have to doze out trees. Then we have to do a couple of years of weed control. Then we have to turn around and plant natives when we could cut some trees, burn it, and there's going to be a huge amount of natives that start growing in the timber. Absolutely. You don't need to supplement when it's really, it's there. It hasn't been destroyed. It's just not at a place where it can express itself. So <laughs> why do you pay for it and go out through all the process of, of adding it when it's there? Yeah. Number 10, old field management, which we rave about. And you'll hear it ranking very high on other properties we do in the future. But on this property, where's the old field? (laughs) Well, and and even if there was some old field, right, knowing knowing that cattle and income is important, you would probably convert that to pasture. That's right. That's right. So it doesn't really have a much of a play in this situation there's probably odd areas or things that you guys didn't fence in that certainly there's some fescue and it could be sprayed out because it's not going to be grazed that's important but but we're talking very small that's portions right. or probably, probably even uh, add up to an acre on the whole grand scheme of things that's right yeah uh so that was number 10 number 11 tree planting Yep. Which sounds a little weird given the fact that it's all trees. And that's <laughs> why our head turns a little bit when we see properties that are all timber and there's still tree plantings going on. Right, yeah, we could right. plant apples. Yes, we could plant chestnuts. Yes, we could plant pears. Yes, we could plant peaches. But we don't have that many acres open currently. And I'm not going to plant them in my pasture so the cows break them off or chew the buds off of them. And I'm not going to plant them currently in my food plots because I don't have many acres of it, and they're skinny and not real big anyway, and I don't want to be driving around a bunch of trees. So, and, and you don't want to have to spray 
the you know insecticides and water them in and all this jazz when you got too many trees to deal with in the first place we got a lot of native persimmon in this region yeah. there's there's soft mass available yeah but when it comes to tree planting from a, from a overall it's still on here because it's a big overall, thing yeah well, yeah. well, well, you guys are going to utilize it from a riparian establishment and, and yeah. creek correction. So land improvement and restoration, that's a goal. That's why it needs to be on here. You'll get there and do that. I think you guys already ordered trees, yeah. but it just doesn't have a humongous play for the overall value of what you're trying to create. That's right. That's right. So to recap it all, number one, pasture management. Number two was... Bedding, Bedding thicket creation or young forest creation. Number three is timber management. Number four is fire. Number five is food plots. Number six is invasive species control. Number seven is edge feathering. Number eight is water. Number nine is native plantings. Ten is old field management. And 11 is tree plantings. And that's how we're ranking them all out in our in, in, in our property that we've highlighted this week, which is property that I actually own, that is 80% timber, 18.5% pasture, and 1.5% food plots. So that gives you an idea of where we rank all those projects and practices into a property that's mostly timber. I, I have a feeling we'll have a good response on this type of podcast from, from listeners. So let us know what you think on social media or email us at info at landlegacy.tv and uh, let us know what you think. We're going to be breaking down other properties in, in the future to kind of see, guys, how we think about these, where the order of importance is. But yep. hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll follow along and catch us uh, next week. That's right. See you guys.